Welcome to In Conversation, a podcast about politics, current affairs, and the status of statue statutes. In this episode, we talk about the departure of Steve Bannon, the Charlottesville protests, and the best way to deal with Confederate symbols. My name is Christian Paws Lang. And I'm Yasser Batalvi, and this is In Conversation. Okay, welcome back to In Conversation. We're at the table again after a couple of weeks, and it has been an interesting couple of weeks. Uh, I think we're going to go work backwards today, starting with the departure of former chief strategist Stephen Bannon uh, from the White House uh, last Friday, I mm-hmm. think, and uh, the sort of followed from that, what it will mean moving forward, and then we'll work backwards towards some uh, more meaty issues. Yeah, I mean, this was big news. Steve yeah, Bannon huge, gone last Friday. Um, I don't think uh, we really thought it was going to happen just then. Mm-hmm. I think there was some uh, idea that at some point the shakeup would include someone like Bannon himself. Yeah, yeah. Um, even though he had set himself up, what do you think about this, in the inner circle? Um, oh, but yeah. even within it, I mean, he was really close to the president. Yeah, he, I, I think that like if there's anyone that had the ear of the president in a way that even came close to what... Um, Kushner and Ivanka seem to have, right. you know, just based on the fact that they're his family members. Right. Uh, Bannon was just a tear down from that. Right. Uh, he and the president seem to agree on a lot of things. So, just as a bit of background, um, Bannon joined the campaign sort of late in the game um, mm-hmm. after uh, the former campaign chair, uh, Paul Manafort, got in a lot of hot water because of his connections to uh, a unsavory pro-Russia party in Ukraine. Right. Um, and ba- Bannon came in and at the same time as Kellyanne Conway. Mm-hmm. And there was a worry that he would uh, make the president even more um, unseemly. And uh, right. that seemed to be the case. But but what Bannon seemed to be able to do was give some intellectual grounding to Trump, as unfortunate as that interne- intellectual grounding is. Uh-huh. Uh, and he connected Trump with the alt-right um, yeah. Thanks to his Breitbart connections, he was the f- uh, former head of Breitbart. Right. And uh, Breitbart, um, for those of you who might not know, is a uh, right-leaning publication, right-leaning, usually right-leaning. Um, on, found online. Yeah, I mean it's right-wing. Um, some may describe it as a platform for the alt-right. I think um, I think he described it as a platform for the alt-right. Yeah, and you know, uh, in essence, I think I agree because bringing him on board gave the president um, gave Trump uh, a bit of philosophical um, parameters. I mean, to yeah. work... Uh, it gave him a philosophical platform, yeah. at least, the whole which is America the whole immigration fir- thing. The whole America First thing, right. uh, the, the economic populism, uh, and the uh, the nationalism in the foreign uh, affairs aspect, that all comes yeah. from Bannon. And, and so and so really, uh, Steve Bannon's agenda was the president's agenda until yeah. Um, yeah. a while. And now I think uh, the latest I've heard is disputation amongst uh, people evaluating this about whether or not his agenda is still going to remain the president's agenda. Right, right. Which may be the case. Right. It's, it's, it's interesting, though, because we can sort of talk about whether or not Bannon thought or Bannon's agenda actually was executed well or successfully because the travel ban has only been in place uh, only partially. And that's, right. a, that's a recent Supreme Court ruling. And the travel ban was one of the things that yes. was Bannon's, yes. Uh, yes. part of Bannon's agenda. And immigration, which we, which we talked about last week and is uh, uh-huh. not done yet. Uh, the Supreme Court pick doesn't really matter to Bannon, I don't think. Um, but then the other things would be some sort of tax reform, which hasn't happened. Right. Uh, the wall hasn't happened. You know, These things um, are um, 
all aspects of an agenda that Trump has been rhetorically supporting, but just hasn't gotten done. And so you have to question whether or not Bannon's tenure in the White House was actually mm-hmm. successful. Mm-hmm. Now, what's interesting is that Bannon actually didn't think, apparently, that he would last very long in the White House. Right. That he just wouldn't work well within the structures mm-hmm. of the White House, the established traditions. Interesting. Because he had that whole thing where he was like, I'm going to take down the administrative state like Lenin. Oh, wow. <laughs> no, I don't. Okay. That's, it's yeah. it's uh, ironic coming from somebody who worked in the White House, yeah. after all. Yeah, yeah. The seat of the administrative state. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But And so he's... But now he's gone. And, right. And, uh, and right back to Breitbart. Yeah. May I say. Same I mean, day. literally the same day. I think he was fired on a Friday, yeah. and then he went to that Friday's editorial meeting. Yes. I mean, it's, uh, it's bizarre. He really felt like... Um, he wanted to show people, I think, that his he while he was still in the White House was still connected in a way to Breitbart. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he showed it quite literally by just arriving just there the next day. Into that he does. He doesn't. He doesn't. Meeting. Yeah. He doesn't need um, any period of transition because no. I think the argument he's trying to make to people is, "Hey, I was already part of it. I yeah. was always part of it." Yeah. And well, now the question is, if that's true that he was always already part of it, he was just acting as an alt right or as a uh, Breitbart partisan within the White House. Right. What that's going to mean. Uh, once he's outside of the White House. Um, there was a, an interesting couple of moments uh, on Friday and on Saturday where it seemed like Breitbart might turn against the president because of mm. the way that he'd handled um, Bannon being fired yeah, or Bannon resigning, depending on what you actually believe <laughs> in the matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, there seems to be just some confusion about whether or not Bannon was supposed to be fired or whether he was supposed to resign and when each of those things was going to happen yeah i mean so from what i've heard is that john kelly who was uh, who is now the chief of staff to the president yeah. came in and, and told bannon uh, you know you got to start wrapping things up because by sometime around mid-august uh the show's over for you yeah uh i think that what spurred sort of laid down the law yeah yeah frankly he did and i think the only dispute here is i uh, some people are saying that the reason he had to leave was because of everything that's happened um, with the alt-right and protests in Charlottesville uh, and in Boston. And uh, now apparently they're being planned in all sorts of American cities. Mm-hmm. Uh, that spurred the firing of or the resignation of Steve Bannon a little earlier than expected, only because Steve Bannon was the champion of those sorts of uh, motives. Mm-hmm. Um, but not only. It's also because of the botched sort of... Um, commiserations that the president made uh, yeah. when the protests happened. He yeah. said, hey, you know, they're kind of bad, but wait, you know, the, le- the alt-left and Antifa is just as bad because they're they're also the ones charging and throwing punches, so what's wrong right. with that? Right. Um, this sort of moral equivalency that he tried to make. Yeah, and Bannon was apparently, whisper- he's the one that was sort of whispering in his ear over, the whole, over that whole weekend, sort yeah. of guiding the show. Yeah. Because, I mean, uh, for the most part, Bannon is the one that has closest to the elements that were involved in the Charlottesville. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and, you know, even if he wasn't, even if at a practical level he wasn't involved, even if he, for example, was on vacation that weekend, yeah. just the optics of having um, someone of the alt-right as part of your inner circle oh, yeah. and then yeah. having alt-right protests yeah. take place and then not being able to condemn it as president yeah. uh, appropriately, yeah. that in and of itself, I think, is enough cause to just uh, try and switch things yeah. up for optics' sake. Yeah, it seemed to be... It's, the reporting seems to be that B- Kelly and Bannon had sort of agreed that Bannon would leave um, and at some point, you know, right. and that they would sort of try to work it, they would try to finesse it 
Yeah. Um, but I think you're right that after Charlottesville, it makes it kind of difficult to keep him around for, for yeah. very much longer. And yeah. and that's where the sort of confusion comes from, where it's like, did he resign or was he fired and stuff like that? Because it looks right. it looks pretty bad. Yeah. Right. Looks right. bad. Then. Bannon. <laughs> it's bad. All right. So, well, I mean, you, you were mentioning uh, the president's response to Charlottesville. And why don't we, you know, move, step backwards, as, as I said, mm-hmm. at the top uh, to what actually happened there? I mean, um, at the same time, a lot and nothing. <laughs> okay. uh, right. The president had a chance to speak. Uh, he said things. Um, words said, were spoken. <laughs> words were spoken. Um, whether or not they were good uh, is, is, I guess, up for you to decide. Uh, essentially, it boils down to one problem, which is um, a lack of condemnation for um, particularly vitriolic elements in the right of the, mm-hmm. the folks who were protesting. Mm-hmm. This alt-right, um, white supremacist, Nazi-sympathizing crew. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not being able to, to create... Uh, a moral difference between the two groups that were protesting, I think, is is the is the failure yep. in what the president did um, and said, but only in the moral sense. I mean, politically speaking, it's uh, like the president can stand in the in stand on Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody and oh, yeah. won't lose any supporters. You don't, you don't think you don't think that matters because I mean, there were some Republicans who. It's funny because when we talk about whether like it matters politically to the president, we're always talking about how Republicans will react, not right. everyone else. Well, well right. Republicans uh, condemn him. I mean, yeah. Mitt Romney again came out, yeah. uh, you know, guns blazing. I mean, I love the guy, but <laughs> but he comes out again, and um, the president calls him a loser. I think he's a I think he's a great guy. I think he's a morally upright. Um, uh, American. I mean, when he's you're a, comparing he's a him good to conservative. Trump, yeah, yeah. yeah. agreed. And, but the guy, so the guy comes out, uh, Mitt Romney starts criticizing the president. Um, and that may be traditionally seen as an indication that the Republican base doesn't support you. Right. But Trump's base is not traditional. I mean, no. these guys continue to support him. I think the last poll I saw said 56% of Americans thought that Trump's reaction to uh, this um, whole Charlottesville incident is, was um, was appropriate. Right. So when uh, or was or, or was inappropriate rather. Yes. So so yeah, it was yeah, the remainder yeah. that, that thought that he had done something wrong. Yeah. Um, I mean, at that at that point, uh, there you're going to fall into. I think when when you do polls like this, or when you're evaluating what people think, mm-hmm. um, there are going to be a lot of camps that that find a spot to hang out in based on w- what their reasoning is about not just whether the president said the right thing, but some will even argue is it the president's role to make comments about a uh, protest happening in an right. American city. Right. Um, some people, I'm sure, must have thought uh, the the president doesn't have a role. Um, to play here the same way they thought uh, Barack Obama shouldn't be commenting on um, issues of Trayvon Martin or Ferguson or or in Missouri and stuff like that Um, I don't know I think I think that's probably not the biggest argument to be had here right agreed yeah at the end of the day, I think that uh, my point is it doesn't really matter whether whether or not we think that what he, the president said is bad right. uh, is actually bad. I think that it's all it all comes down to the Republicans. Uh, yeah, it all comes down to the people that are that are going to vote for him again if yeah. he runs, or the people that continue to support him while he does. Yeah. Uh, until it becomes uh, politically impossible for Republicans to support their president mm-hmm. um, in the Senate and in the House, I think we won't really see any movement. Right. Because once it becomes politically feasible and expedient to find yourself at odds with the president, then you're going to be in a position that um, issues that have already been written mm-hmm. in stone, things mm-hmm. like violations of emoluments, um, rules, or 
uh, all sorts of issues with this Russia investigation. I mean, th- these things aren't really a problem until you don't have uh, the requisite number of Republicans sure. saying, hey, we really disagree uh, with the sure. way the president is handling it, and we're going to you know, bring articles of impeachment or something yeah. like that, or actually vote to impeach him. Yeah. All right. Well, why don't we talk about what, exactly what, what did he say? Because what uh, you alluded to before and what seems to be the biggest problem that's happening is, well, first of all, he didn't uh, take a moral stance. He didn't take a real moral stance. The stance right. that he took was that uh, was either that everyone's moral position was the same, mm-hmm. uh, or that morality didn't didn't factor into it at all. So the, right. the problem that we all had with it, I think, was that he seemed to um, uh, put on a, on a on a moral plane mm-hmm. um, or an equivalence the uh, the protesters themselves. Um, the Nazis, right. the white supremacists, everyone who was marching there, and uh, the people who had gathered to uh, oppose them. So that's some some just normal counter-protesters, a lot of students from uh, the university in yeah. Charlottesville, but also uh, groups that came specifically to counter um, the, the, the Nazi groups and white supremacist groups, right. uh, the, the foremost of which is Antifa. Yeah. Um, which, by the way, is this, uh, is this group of individuals that believe... Um, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. uh, that violence um, against fascists because it's anti-fascist, yes. uh, Antifa, yeah. um, is is appropriate. Um, so you may find yourself in a situation where you're uh, injured, maybe personally, or you go to jail for it. But it's the right thing to do. You right. know, you have to take on yeah. fascists uh, for life or limb. Yeah. Um, that's their position. Uh, now, when you don't talk about it morally, when you just talk about it in a very pragmatic sense. Yeah. Um, you can condemn violence. That's, I think, what the president did. Yeah. He just said, you know what? Uh, it may be the case that these Nazis or these Nazi sympathizers and white supremacists threw punches, but the other side threw punches too. Yeah. Um, trying to draw an equivalency in action. Mm-hmm. But it's not about action because sometimes it's about what leads to it. Yeah. Well, I think, I think the problem with his actual words uh-huh. um, weren't that he was, he, it wasn't clear that he was just talking about violence. Because what he said uh, was you had, you had some guys on this side and they were very bad right and that seems to be a moral um a moral claim right um and then you had and then and then you had people on the other side and they were also very violent and what that does is that it equates morality with violence you say these guys are bad right and then since these guys are violent they're also bad and that seems to imply that the only reason that nazis are bad is because they're violent Good point. And that's that. I mean, that's obviously unacceptable. You need to be able to condemn Nazis for reasons other than the fact that they're violent, right? Because in and of itself, violence could be good or bad. There could be situations that require violence. Yes. Um, I, as a as citizens, we agree that sometimes violence is is necessary, right? Um, but you can condemn Nazis even if they're not violent. Yeah, I think that the essence of his message, we think at least, should have been. Hey, I think Nazis are bad guys, and I think that Nazism is bad, and mm-hmm. so is white supremacism, and so is this alt-right movement yeah. because of their ideology. Yeah. That should have been the argument that he should have made. If he had just said that, and then also said, "But we should not be accepting violence um, as a solution to our problems in a society," right? That would have been a, a million times better. There still would have been people like those who sympathize with Antifa who say, "No, I mean, it, it, it doesn't matter." Sure. Um, how how morally condemnable nazis are they're still nazis and you have to you have to defeat them right. uh, in the streets right right um and honestly i mean those there are there are reasons why you would 
uh, consider that to be true. I'm not sure if I do. But well, the fact that no. the mean, fact that Trump didn't didn't yeah. even engage in that debate, he just skipped right to well. I mean, there was violence on both sides. Yeah, and I'm not going to. So, so just for the record, um, if you're ever in a position where uh, there's violence between fascists and non-fascists, yeah. anti-fascists rather, yeah. um, make sure while you're condemning the violence, just condemn the fascists <laughs> a, while you're at it. This is a quick political tip from from Yasser. Yeah, it's always how to be president. It's always good to condemn fascists. Yeah, I mean, if you think that fascism is bad, <laughs> yeah, it's probably politically worthwhile to condemn fascism regardless. I have to say, because yeah. even if you are a fascist and that's your goal, I don't think you need to admit that you're a fascist. It'll probably get you far enough to just be one and not say. That's um, true. That's I true. think that might be no what Trump one is going for. The, uh, the, the subtle, the subtle fascists. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but he could, he could have very easily just said, um, "I think that that the cause for which these guys are protesting, um, mm-hmm. white supremacy, mm-hmm. um, having this alt right movement, that's that's wrong." But he didn't say that because you can take a hard line. Um, you can take a hard line against three things. Mm-hmm. You can take a hard line uh, against violence. Yeah. You can take a hard line for free speech. Right. And you can take a hard line against fascists. Agreed. And all three of those views can coexist peacefully. Absolutely. But I mean, they coexist in me. I think. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I mean, I'm for free speech. I'm against fascists <laughs> and violence. Yeah, um, and I may think that violence sometimes is requisite, is necessary. I think, and I think those three views are perfectly defensible mm-hmm. um, when we're talking, speaking in generalities, um, and and even can apply to the specific situation. But the fact that Trump was uh, was unable to 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 check all three of those boxes is just obscene to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's politically expedient, though. I mean, the choice that he made not to condemn the alt-right is because his, his base is um, people who really do believe this sort of stuff. My, the only way that I can that makes sense to me is if you make what's happening in Charlottesville not about Nazis, but about things like free speech mm. or things like the Confederate statues, mm. right? Because if you ignore yeah. like, uh-huh. the fact that there were Nazis waving flags and wielding batons and stuff like that right then you can be like oh yeah i guess maybe we can have a debate about taking down the confederate statues but since there were nazis there and they did fight with anti-fascist groups right that seems to be to me to be the most important thing coming out of charlottesville yeah well i'm not sure i agree here because i think there's um the, the crux of the problem is also how these groups are defining themselves um there are some nazis present but we have to remember the way that the Charlottesville protest started, at least, was they at least claimed it was a free speech protest. Um, the, I think that there's there ought to be a distinction here because what ended up happening in Boston, for example, where there were protests, I think, the the week afterward, yeah. um, there was a small, small group of protesters um, on the right. Uh, or or at least, I'm not sure on the right, if even on the right is fair because some of them were Nazis and some of them were people protesting for free speech. Uh, but... At the end of the day, to lump um, people who are protesting for free speech uh, to preserve their right to speak freely about things in with, um, you know, a Nazi carrying a baton or someone dressed in military fatigues um, right. who's part of some armed militia trying to protect their state or, or whatever their cause may be, um, I think uh, is confusion on our part. I don't know if we should be doing that either because as much as we might disagree with them, um, my personal opinion would always be, um, and political one rather that you should be able to protest 
for whatever you believe in, um, whether that's for free speech, whether that's because you want to show that you can protect your state, um, or whether you're a Nazi. I think that it's wrong to lump all these people together in principle because obviously they believe different things. Nazis are not free speech advocates, even if those free speech advocates, you know, may border on uh the the white supremacist groups that we saw you know right. there's, there's, there seems to be some spectrum there and I, and I get what you're saying um charlottesville obviously developed as it did and it didn't it wasn't the first thing that happened there wasn't nazis in the streets right, right? that came a little bit later but so that's that i get what you're saying in principle these are different groups agreed and the same way be, the same way the counter protests where there were some exactly. people willing to take uh, exactly. take up violence um or who were anti exactly antifa anti-fascist exactly. and some weren't but um it it matters what happens in the specific situation so when the nazis comes come out and they're waving their swastikas and they're shouting shouting jews will not replace us you as a free speech advocate marching in those streets you have to think well this isn't the best look is it this this isn't my (laughs) protest anymore yeah it's been co-opted yeah Right, and maybe maybe you have to uh, have a good hard look on the other side as well. Maybe you you're not someone who wants to be um, associated with Antifa if it's it's if it's going to be using violence. Right. Look, this goes down to this goes to the heart of the fundamental problem of protesting, um, which is that it's usually not one cohesive message right. um, that protesters are trying to send out, and it's usually not one cohesive group. Um, and I think it's appropriate to be um, condemning people. If they're walking the same streets that the Nazis are, because they have to, they have to realize the way that that looks, and and what it means to be marching on the same side as Nazis or the KKK. Well, so even if you've taken up con- common cause, you yeah. have to realize that um, it, you're going. It's going to be seen as a show of support for those groups and their right. wider agendas. Right. I, I agree. I think if well, if you put it, if I put myself in this situation, I remember um, being at the women's march. Yeah. The women's march um, in Boston, at least, had uh, you know it was a motley group of people. It mm-hmm. was all sorts of folks. It mm-hmm. was people who were um, part of the anti-Trump agenda. Mm-hmm. It was people who were on the far far left. Mm-hmm. Um, it was people who uh, believed in Black Lives Matter, that sort of thing. It was people. Who, a lot of them who were anti-police. All all sorts of groups of people right. um, under the banner of the women's march. And so I um, grappled with whether or not I wanted to to attend it, um, show my support for it, uh, because it could end up as something that, um, at the end of the day, may be good in in essence, maybe some maybe good in intention, but um, end up as something different. Right. So I would, I I, but I think I, those are good questions. And in all to fairness, I, I made the decision to go because I thought at the end of the day there may be some people who I disagree with, but sometimes protesting for a cause may mean that. Um, some may see you protesting alongside others, uh, and I'm not sure you have to. Uh, you have to go around apologizing for who happens to be protesting on the same side as you. My my point is that um, the the is is this very idea that the protest was co opted by groups like the KKK, KKK, and the Nazis, so that the fundamental nature of what might have been the original protest, right. which is free speech, the the attempt to not um, have the city take down uh, the Robert E. Lee statue. Yeah, it totally had changed by by Saturday and by Sunday. It was no longer about that. It was about showing strength. It was about showing um, showing America that these groups existed and that they were strong and emboldened. 
Right. So my question would then be this. Um, let's say I'm, uh, I get word that there's going to be a free speech rally. Yeah. And as a supporter of free speech, I think this is great. I want to attend this rally. Yeah. Uh, show my support for it. Yeah. Um, and I have evidence, prior knowledge, to know that usually, typically, uh, the other folks that are going to attend this event, this protest, yeah. free speech protest, may be uh, affiliated with the alt-right. Yeah. They may be white supremacists. Heck, they may even be Nazis. But because I believe in free speech... I'm going to argue I'll, I'd go to the event, yeah. um, obviously not demonstrate for the causes that they do, demonstrate for my own uh, under the banner that it originally was. But then my question to you is what would be the moral incumbency upon me? What do I need to do on day two? Do I need to apologize for being there? Do I just need to distance myself publicly from them? Um, do I just need do I need to care about the fact that at the end of the day, if someone labels that entire protest as a Nazi protest, my physical presence there is counted as an addition to the Nazi protest? I don't know. I in terms that, of perspective, that's, that's difficult. I, I think you do have to question about, first of all, whether or not that's the most effective way of showing your support for free speech, especially if you have prior knowledge that these things go that the way they tend to go. Right. right? Um, my my I entire mean, the argument very fact that, that, you know, all of these problems exist uh-huh. probably should should lead you to the idea that uh, maybe it's not the best idea to go there it's not the best way of showing my support that's that's a fair point i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna jump ahead just to say yeah. this i'm uh, the equivalency i'm trying to draw is between this and conversations i had with people friends of mine who were conservatives um after i attended the women's march yeah. who said i can't believe you went there right. don't you know what they believe uh, these are people who believe women are better than men. They're people who believe that the police are scum. Um, they believe yeah. that, uh, you know, if they had an ability to kill Trump, they'd do it. Stuff like this. Um, and I was having to defend myself saying, no, 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 but I was there because I just believed in equal rights for women. Right. And, um, and and let me make the point that the wider aims of the Women's March were not any of the specific aims of any of those groups. The wider aims of the Women's March was to say that, uh, that women wouldn't accept... Um, to be uh, dictated to, uh, that it, there was a positive message of, of oh, unity and solidarity, yeah. all of this stuff. Uh, but, and I agree. And, and, that, that's and, they, and they were protesting against the, uh, the election of what I think is pretty clear to be a misogynist. Absolutely, and that's why I showed my support for it. But in the same vein, can't it be argued that by someone who attended the free speech rally that originally it was pretty clear that this whole free this was a free speech issue i mean they could make the same argument and say well i'm so sorry the kkk showed up in my rally um i wasn't so sure that it was going to happen look i should they should they be apologizing probably but but should they have not gone is the entire question because i knew if you i knew there were going to be a lot of kkk is going to be there you should not go i think that's i think i can make that point okay but i also knew that at the women's march there were going to be a lot of groups that i would disagree with a lot of groups that even advocate violence i mean they see um maybe that if you're in resistance like who <laughs> well so so there are elements like, of the black the lives toronto, matter group. i went to the toronto one and i mean black lives matter is not a, an explicitly violent organization it isn't but we know that there are some organizations on the left that are um i'm 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 positive that in a march of 2.3 million however many people showed up at the one and wherever the wherever it was there were there were people yeah. yeah there were people who were expressing violence i mean there were people who would believe that um for example there were people who, who I, I think, admitted I think, to me that if they saw trump they'd they'd kill him yeah, if they had I just, the don't, to I just do don't think that the, they can be analogous because the the important point about these free speech rallies and about what was happening in Charlottesville was that the the fundamental nature of the of the protest changed, hmm. right? So right. so then if you if you if you're talking about prior knowledge going into a free speech rally, you say, well, I'm going to this rally, 
and it's going to be about free speech, cool, good for you. But if you think that, or if you know that the KKK is going to be there and the Nazis are going to be there, then there's a pretty good chance that the rally will become about something different. Right. Right. And so why it makes less sense to me to think that the presence of groups at Women's March doesn't um, matter as much is because the Women's March, the, co- the, the message of it yeah. was pretty constant throughout. Okay. And the presence of those groups might take away from that message, but it doesn't fundamentally change it the way that the KKK and Nazis do when they show up at a free speech rally. Agreed. Uh, but in fairness to the point, there were I, I did I didn't only know in terms of prior knowledge, but it was it became pretty clear um, in the weeks leading up to the women's march, right after the election, that anytime there was a protest, um, especially something like the women's march, it was going to be anti-Trump. Yeah. There, I think a lot of people who would argue that the women's march fundamentally was was also an anti-Trump march. Yes. Yeah. Um, Explicitly so. Yeah, and so and so that, um, but see, here's the disagreement because I'm not sure that that's that that was the explicit message. They, the women's march was organized uh, with saying you should come if you believe that in women's rights. Yeah. If you believe yeah. um, that there should we shouldn't have a patriarchal society and there should. But be the impetus was always that Trump had been elected. So so that's why it so happened. should we? It, didn't just, it wasn't just oh, I think we should. We affirm our belief in equal rights. So then this brings us back to the free speech issue, which is the free speech rally yeah. came about because of the taking down of the Robert E. Lee statue. Yes. But should you be able to protest for free speech, even if it's disconnected from the Robert E. Lee statue taking, yes. being taken yeah, down? Yeah, you should be able to protest for free speech. My, pro- my problem is just that the... So what if someone's a Trump supporter and shows up to the Women's March? Fine. Isn't that is that an inconsistency? Uh yeah a bit yeah a bit yeah <laughs> the same way as in if you think that the I mean, Robert unless, E Lee statue unless, should unless be taken you, down unless you have a nuanced support for Trump in which you believe oh yes I hate the fact that he's a misogynist but it's important that he's gonna do whatever right you know, like right right well right I mean that's how I felt I I don't I didn't necessarily feel like I wanted to label myself anti-Trump um even though I disagree with maybe maybe almost everything but as long as I don't disagree with everything as long as I'm not disagreeing with him at a fundamental level. Um, the level at which you decide to call yourself anti something, um, I figured it would be appropriate. The same way, I don't. I don't necessarily think the Robert E. Lee statue should be up, uh, but I also do believe in free speech. So I might show up to a rally condoning free speech, mm-hmm. um, even if it's born out of the taking down of Robert E. Lee statues. Right. Yes. Because yeah. because I think in my in my own head, I'm arguing for a nuanced point. Mm-hmm. I'm saying, hey, I believe in free speech. I know that we're talking about free speech only because people have started taking down Robert E. Lee statues. Which I happen to be against. Um, I mean, in the sense yeah, that I happen to what, be against the statue. What about but, let's let's think of a let's think of a, an, an analogy on the left because this is something that I would be <coughs> more familiar talking about. What about um, say when 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 Milo comes to town, right? And I'm a, I'm, I'm I'm at UC Berkeley, and uh, this Milo guy, Milo <coughs> Yiannopoulos, yeah, yeah, he's a Telus Christian. I mean, he's he's a alt right. He's, he's like a he's a He's what I think the it's best description reader. I've heard of him is like a like a professional provocateur, a professional troll. Uh-huh. He just goes around. He he's he's you were telling me about some guy before who just likes to trigger people. That's right. Basically, what Milo likes to do. Right. And uh, he's pretty good at it. In fairness, he triggers the left. That's yes. His yeah, agenda. he triggers the left. That's okay. the, that's the idea. So he's so you know he he just loves to maybe it's talk because about they're more apt or, to being triggered. I mean that maybe, may be the case. Maybe. I don't think I don't know if I'd agree I that he's that, a professional provocateur. Actually, I think he does have an agenda. That, oh yeah, no he. Definitely does, does but he does so by creating outrage. That's what. That's how he accomplishes Fair. Fair. what he does. Um, anyway, so he went to UC Berkeley uh, and 
or he was invited there and then there's huge protests and I don't even know if he ended up speaking. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so some 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 agents of the right comes to to a college campus, this huge protest against him. Right. Uh, and sometimes those protests get violent, as they did at UC Berkeley, I believe. Yeah. Um, now, my responsibility going to a protest like that is is inter- is interesting in the, in the same way as it might be when you're going to a free speech rally. Right. Because I would go there because I don't like Milo Yiannopoulos. I don't agree with what he's saying. Mm-hmm. But then knowing that this has happened before at UC Berkeley and at other places where these protests have turned violent... Mm-hmm. I would also have to be aware of the fact that the purpose and the nature of the protest is liable to change based on past absolutely past actions. Because as long as you have any indication that something like that has happened in the past or may be likely to happen, you have to use that as a factor yeah. in evaluating whether or not you want to throw your support behind it. Right. Because by by showing up, you throw your support behind yeah. it. So, so that's that's why I don't think the the analogy to the women's march is appropriate because the women's march was never going to become some mass riot. Right? right, I don't think that, I, agree. I don't think that in, that intent was was ever there, or the potential was was extremely low. But some of these like smaller protests for 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 speaking engagements and stuff like that, uh-huh. or even smaller like counter protests, um, those have the potential to turn violent. And so when you go to one of those, you need to either be ready to to act against that, right, or to or to say this is this is not what I came here for. Sure, yeah. sure. We make we make all of these decisions. Um, pretty frequently yeah. uh, in our daily lives, I think. I mean, we decide to frequent a restaurant um, that maybe, or or a store that may be involved in child labor, I, right. and then find out after the fact. You know, everybody right. maybe owns a pair of Nike shoes, and then you find out later on so that it's kids in China making it. And then your responsibility is probably stop buying shoes from so there. So your problem is with is with prejudging people who are going to these things, or right. al- alternately um, right. condemning them after the fact simply because of they're there without right. knowing perhaps that. This, right. That they that they left as soon as it became violent, or, or Fair they, they left as soon as the Nazis came out. Exactly, that kind of thing. exactly. I think that I think that um, this is part of what creates the confusion always about whether it's it's a good or right to attend a protest, yeah. um, to to show your voice, to add your voice to someone else's. I think is what yeah. usually the concern is. Yeah, um, it's a good, interesting, interesting. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a good segue into the issue of. Um, the actual content of what they were protesting. Well, originally, what they were protesting originally. What they were yes. protesting originally. The, <laughs> yeah. the, the essence of uh, these statues. What do you yeah. think about that? Uh, well, I, I mean, I'm sort of interested in what you think as well because I've I've developed a sort of, uh, as as I am want to do, a sort of right. halfway, um, an on the fence uh, mm-hmm. opinion about this. Um, I think that we should do our best to... Turn, turn these statues to our advantage um, that oh. in general society does a terrible job this is Canada as well as the United States a terrible job of acknowledging its mistakes and it does a, specifically it does a terrible do- job of acknowledging it, its mistakes in material obvious ways uh-huh. it does a great job about celebrating them um, and so the, when people were putting up these statues of Robert E. Lee and Jefferson Davis they were celebrating a heritage that they believed was was admirable but we don't right. do a good job about Acknowledging our mistakes and 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 um, and indicating our belief in righting those wrongs, and so what I think people should do before they leap um, to the idea of just tearing these statues down, they should say, "Can we can we repurpose these statues? Can we make them 
into a memorial of what happened? Can we make them into uh, a symbol of, of our regret, of our sorrow, um, mm-hmm. and turn it into uh, turn it into um, an apology of a sort? Right. Um, because I, 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 I don't agree with the idea that any statue has to be celebratory. Um, sure. I think that they can be uh, tragic reminders of a, of a terrible past and, 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 and a reminder that we need to be better in the future. So, so yeah. I don't know what that means. It, it may mean changing um, some sort of quality of the statue. It may be, mean changing the plaque. It may mean changing the context around the statue, where mm-hmm. it is perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the statue doesn't have to be necessarily turned down for us to make something worthwhile out of it, and and, and this isn't this isn't a blanket prescription. In some cases, a, a statue may be beyond saving, right? But I don't think we should just tear them all down just because they're there. Okay, I think it's I think it's a it's a fair argument. Um, but if we bring it into uh, what essentially has been happening now yeah. with these Confederate statues, yeah. uh, most of them are statues of uh, Confederate generals, yes, and these guys are. Um, Individuals. I mean, yeah. it's a statue of maybe Robert E. Lee on a horse, yeah. or it's it's some Confederate. It's a group of Confederate soldiers. Yeah. Um, repurposing them maybe maybe possible, but I think it's it's hard to do, and that's because yes, um, it's an it's an essence. Uh, it's it's actually it goes down to the heart of what we're trying to memorialize, and it's lives lost um, of people whose names we may not even remember. Yeah. So when Germany um, tried to build memorials for. Uh, for Holocaust victims, yeah. um, they did so in anonymity almost. They they built most memorials without symbols or names or carvings or, or a face um, of any of any one victim, yeah. uh, and they did that because of the nature of what happened. I mean, most of these victims were um, right. faceless and nameless, or they at least went so um, mm-hmm. when in the present. So, what for example, the Americans decided once they occupied Germany um, after the end of the Second World War was that they were going to deface all. Um, Elements of Nazi propaganda, so oh, yeah. so yeah. they took down all the swastikas, yeah. all the uh, monuments of Hitler. Even though, in essence, you could have made the same argument. You mm-hmm. could have said, "Well, you know, leaving yeah. up a yeah. statue of Hitler is maybe okay as long as it reminds us of the past," or leaving yeah. up a swastika is okay. Um, and that is actually what what well what Germany did in one instance in Berlin is they left they left up a church that was half demolished by by um, the war, right? Uh, as a sobering reminder of what yes. war can inflict yeah. on a city and on its people. But I just think that that would be really hard to do. So I, I think it would be hard to do too. I, I, just, I, I just don't think it's impossible. So I, one, but your prescription is a, is a more practical one. It's saying, well, maybe we just don't need to tear them down. Maybe we just need to erect a different monument about uh, the victims of, of um, slavery and of the Confederacy. Rather yeah, you than can, you can, generals. you can, you can. I would love to see more, um, more monuments celebrating. The, the the heroes of that time, or the the the, the morally courageous right. uh, people who fought against the Confederacy and against the institution of slavery, I just think that you can you can have a positive um, solution to this problem, mm-hmm. and and you can recognize the negative as a, as a means of of moving forwards and of um, and of acknowledging the past and uh-huh. contextualizing it. So one thing that's interesting um, about uh, the individuals that are involved with this. So, so um, Robert E. Lee is the is the is the most interesting of them because he's developed this sort of cult of personality, right? right. Where you know, oh yeah, where the 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 way it goes is Robert E. Lee wasn't actually that bad. He didn't really believe in slavery. He was this cool general, right? Or at least he was he a ended, general. He you know, ended yeah. the war. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, all of this stuff. But 
that's not what these statues really say. What these statues say is that he was a great man, yada yada yada. But if you have a you so and for believing what he believed and for fighting for what exactly he for, exactly yeah. defending his state, you know, uh-huh. uh, the love of the homeland, all of this, and for defending slavery, I guess, which is yes, the, yes, the most yes. So so what I think there's a prime opportunity here to to change the narrative of what um, Robert E. Lee was and represented. Because since there's a cult of personality that is developed around these statues, mm-hmm. you can re- you can uh, take back these statues uh, and reappropriate them and uh, make them go towards what Robert E. Lee actually was and represented. Um, so if you recontextualize these things, right. it, it, it can be an extremely powerful tool to destroy this cult of personality that's developed around him. To say that he represented something horrific yeah. rather than yeah. the, the veneration that he's yes. given by some circles or by the yeah. act of putting up a, a memorial yeah. uh, And just tearing down those statues um, might not accomplish that. Yeah, I think that – well, so when I think you look at these statues, most of them came up um, in two specific periods, not necessarily when Robert E. Lee was still alive no, or the like Confederacy the 80s was. the 80s and the 20s, I think. Not right. 1880s. Right, yeah. exactly. And it was, it was when um, either slavery was being abolished – yeah. Uh, and there was a fight against that, yeah. the 13th, 14th, 15th Amendment. Or it was uh, during the Civil Rights era yeah. when there was um, a public push to be able to recognize why Confederates had fought for what they – or the Confederacy had fought for what it had fought for. Yeah. Um, and so interestingly enough, the monuments, the statues themselves were used as uh, tools, as they often are, as, yes. p- as political uh, objects, as ploys, as symbols to be able to defend um, – an archaic and violent uh, ideology of sorts. Yeah. Um, one that that took arms up against the United States itself. But I want to introduce uh, a different angle to this because I know that we both disagree with the Confederacy. I think that's fair to say. Yeah. And slavery. <laughs> yeah. Um, but to get down to whether or not we should be tearing down these statues to begin with mm-hmm. um, is, I think, a nuanced point. And the reason is because for me what's interesting is uh, when – I mean, in America, you can and are allowed to be a conservative. Um, and by by conservative, I mean you can be a, a certain type of conservative, too. You can be a, a southern conservative who happens to agree with the Confederacy. Um, you can even be somebody who supports slavery. And when there's a, a statue erected, mm-hmm. um, it's done so usually by the city. So the municipality that it's erected within, maybe it's on the grounds of the city, or maybe yeah. it's even on, at the state house. Yeah. Um, and usually when it's done so... Um, it's it's not done in a purely democratic fashion. Sure. Um, it's usually the administration at the at city hall okay. or okay. or the state house yeah. that um, it decides to erect the statue. So now let's let's put ourselves in this hypothetical scenario. Now there's a statue um, of Robert E. Lee uh, at the center of your small town mm-hmm. um, in the south, and you are a really big fan of Robert E. Lee and a big fan of uh, perhaps what he had fought for in slavery yeah. and the Confederacy. Yeah. So when it's being t- torn down. Um, it, it can be torn down with the same degree of arbitrariness um, mm, that it was put up, but that was put up with, yeah. um, because there was no vote to put it up. The mm. same way there was no vote to even tear if it there down. was a vote to put it up, you could vote to tear it down, could you not? Exactly, you would have to then vote to tear it down. I think. Okay. Um, other than other than just tearing it down, and and here's why I have I find it particularly problematic because there is no monolith. I mean, the United States doesn't all think the same way. Yeah, and. That doesn't, and and we may not understand this from the outside, but when you go to a small southern town that where the majority of people support Robert E. Lee, or they think he was a good guy and they'd like a statue of him in the city, yeah, 
just because the person in city hall happens to disagree right um or or just because there's some federal legislation that's passed saying hey we should take down all statues of robert e lee right, yeah i don't think that that should create imposition upon a city or a state well, yeah, by putting okay. up a statute that they see fit. So now we're talking about the practicalities of it rather than the, the, exactly. sort, of, the sort of moral. It, right. right. We're talking about the, the legality of it like or, or, the demo- actually should or, or democracy yeah. in this case. Yeah. Because there is no statue of Robert E. Lee or any statue venerating conf- the Confederacy on the Capitol grounds in Washington, D.C. No, there's a statue of it in the Capitol. There's a statue of Robert E. Lee in the Capitol building. Oh, is that right? Yeah, like in the rotunda. Okay. Well, well, point taken. I think I think if there if there were to be, um, then w- how it came about there, um, and oh, how sorry, it should not be the taken. Rotunda, it's below the rotunda, but anyway. Okay, yeah. and and how it should be taken down. I think that that's that's up for um, the the people who decide how those statues are put up, um, to do so. I mean, yeah. the essence of what the I'm trying to say is curators or whoever that actually run them. Yeah, I mean, my entire point is, look, there. If, if the city of Boston decides we don't want to put up a statue of Robert E. Lee. They can do that. If the city of Charleston decides that they do want to put up a statue of Robert E. Lee, they can do that. They can do that. Right. Whether or not it's right or wrong is, is something we, that, we've, that we've just talked about. But now we're talking about sort of what's most appropriate in terms of how these things are being done. Right? Exactly. I mean... Because, like, I could say you still shouldn't put up a statue of Robert E. Lee. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. But but whether or not you you should be allowed to is now right we're, because is now look, what we're debating exactly I, mean, I look if this if this statue of Robert E Lee is in the Capitol as you say it is yeah um, we may we may have a disagreement we can actually make a valid point about okay um, maybe this statue should should only be there if there's a vote for it but times times change and I think the the point of statues is you shouldn't necessarily have to vote on them um, every time. Um, I mean, is it, is it is it something that just sort of constantly occurs uh, in the sense that you know when universities have named buildings um, after people who've been slave owners? Yeah. Um, anytime the the student body decides now we want to change the name of the building, right. um, they change the name of the building. Um, should there be a vote, like a referendum across the U.S. saying these are all the statues placed in the U.S. Capitol? These are the ones that are appropriate and these aren't. Because I hear arguments every day about um, even people who are presidents. I mean, Thomas Jefferson owned slaves. Yep, yep. So so if um, the majority of America decides one day that they think that the fact that Thomas Jefferson owned slaves is reason enough to take his statues down well, well, and take not? his face why is, off. Why is, why is that wrong? Like, it's why not, can you not vote democratically on these things? It, it, it isn't wrong. Okay. But the only thing is they're not, we're not voting democratically. Right. It's that, it's that the tide shifts and so an administrator in power decides that we're going to take it off I the see. grounds see, see, because see, they just they just don't want to take the heat maybe of the protests. Right. So what what ended up happening in in uh, realistically is Nikki Haley who was the um who's now I guess the um uh, the woman who represents the UN. Exactly. Yeah. At the at the UN. Um was the governor of South Carolina and um when the Charleston church shooting happened um where this racist went into a church basement in Charleston and shot nine black people parishioners uh, there were calls to take down the Confederate flag, which flew over the state house grounds. Right. Nikki Haley decided that um, even though she faced opposition, but also had a lot of support to take it down, she decided she was going to take it down. There wasn't a vote. She's the governor of the state. She yeah. decides what sh- what flags are raised atop uh, the, the hill of the state house in in 
South Carolina. Right. And she decided to take it down. And people protested that. Mm-hmm. But should every Nikki Haley, should every governor decide what statues come in and out, what flags are flown over no, the state house? Should point. it or or should the voters of South Carolina have to be encumbered by taking a vote every time something goes up on the state house grounds or should yeah. we just decide, hey, no symbols on the state house grounds altogether? Maybe we shouldn't fly any flags. Uh, so so people have all sorts of different opinions. I fear the day that uh, people will will say, "Hey, you know, even seeing the American flag um, uh, is triggering because of injustices that the Ameri- that the United States has carried out, sure. and sure. and perhaps to them the injustices so you're worried, outweigh you're the good about things." The undemocratic nature of how things are actually proceeding. Right. I don't. I don't want some uh, some. But guy. also the complications of making it democratic. Exactly. Yeah. And so I'm just not sure. So where's your prescription to... here? Yeah. So you've, you've given me a lot of problems. <laughs> I am given, I am, I am presenting a lot of problems because I, I'm, I, I'm fearful of a time when, um, I, because I see it now. I see it at universities where there are people who've done a lot of good things. Take Thomas Jefferson, for example. Yeah. He's done a lot of good things, but he's also owned slaves. Does that, is that a prerequisite for, um, de- for defacing your, uh, the memory? Um, of you as an individual well i just i think i think that's where that's where my solution to this problem comes in handy because because why i don't know why we have to always see things as celebratory right why can we not both acknowledge what thomas jefferson has done well and what he's done extremely poorly but how do you do that because if, if you have a statue of robert e lee it by definition is is venerating him no i don't believe that i don't believe that statues are by de- definition celebratory Okay, but if if we do argue that, then at some point we'd have to have um, we'd have to go back to the to the heart of the issue, which is in the Confederacy or or with slavery yeah. or maybe with the Holocaust. The, there are generals on one side, mm-hmm. but they're nameless and faceless victims yes. on the other. Yeah. So we don't have statues for um, the people with yeah. the names of uh, of the victims of the Holocaust. We yeah. may have a few. We can yeah. put them up. But um, even but like, how does even this work? Like specifically calling out individuals of the past, you can do that, right? Can you not? I just think that traditionally a, a statue is, a, is, a, is shown to be a statue of one person in particular. I think traditionally it is as well. I think most statues are celebratory. Right. right. But I don't think statues have to be celebratory. I see. I think that I think that, that would be um, probably the, the, the best, most practical way to fix this problem, which yeah. would be to, to, to change our thinking about it. To say, okay, we can't, just because you think differently about Robert E. Lee today than uh, Americans might have 60 years ago... Um, it's it's still okay. The statue can stay. No, and I mean there would be a, there would be actionable change. You would have to change a plaque. You would have to change how he's presented. You would have to. Well, what, do would, you, what would you have to change? I, you would have to. You Other have than to, just your perspective. You, no, you would have to say. You would have to put on uh, the description of it. You would you would have to change maybe the way that it was um, the way that it was set up. You would have to make it so that this says no. What this what you think the statue is here for is not actually why I was here, or even or even acknowledge mm-hmm. the statue was erected in in 1920 as a as, yeah. a as Agreed. a as a as a celebration of Robert E. Lee, but now we leave it here as a reminder that Robert E. Lee was not is not what we think he what what they thought he was, and that he is in fact, uh, you know, a treasonous. Uh, okay, all of this uh, stuff. Fair. Okay, I fair. Except stuff. except then, um, we're actually just renaming the problem. And 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 hear me out here because if we take Thomas Jefferson, currently his statues stand in veneration of him, yeah. um, and so does his his face on the dollar yeah. bill or something. But what like if that. you put on that statue, Thomas Jefferson was a founding father of the United States, the first right. ambassador of France, all the second what a second president, yeah. yeah, and he owned slaves, and that you know mars his legacy to this day. 
But what if you believe in slavery and you show up and you say, I believe in slavery and I don't think that it's a bad thing to own slaves? Because when when people are showing up here and saying, I don't think it's a bad thing that the Confederacy fought for what it fought for, mm -hmm. the majority of your town might be saying that. Mm -hmm. So so if there's a vocal minority in that town that's saying there's something wrong with a Robert E. Lee statue, mm -hmm. but everybody agrees but that then slavery just going is okay, to, then, then, then what ends just up happening? back to like how you end up doing it, right? I'm not sure because I think that... that uh, like You're, that's just your problem again with whether or not whether or not the process of actually changing these exactly. things is, dem is democratic or not. Exactly. Not about the, the fundamental nature of how you celebrate things, right? Because I think it seems really easy right now because with Robert E. Lee and Thomas Jefferson, um, we we are, happen to be on the same page morally. We agree that Thomas Jefferson did a lot of good things okay. and he owned slaves and that that was bad. Yeah. But when we run into somebody who says, "I don't think it's bad that he owned slaves," right? Now what do we do? Do we get right. to decide what goes on in, the statue, my, or does that person in my get view, to decide? In my in my conception of, of, of how you would change a statue, everyone's already agreed right. on on how you would change it, right? What what I'm arguing about is just whether or not that change is, is effective or is, or is the best solution. So so what? Do but we, you're arguing about well, how would we get to the point where we would change that statue? Right. I I just would want to know what the what what's the process here because. Yeah. Um, it seems like you have to protest about it and you have to tear them down. Um, and most people in your town can agree that, hey, maybe the statue should stay up. But as long as you get to it first and you get to tear it down, you have your say. Yeah, I don't know. That's a, that's a good question. Yes, yeah, so I, I don't know how the best way of changing these statues or tearing them down or putting up different statues is. Uh -huh. um, and, and it may be easy to talk about statues, but if you talk about flags for a moment, yeah. I mean, flags by definition show symbolic support yes i mean we don't fly, fly having a statue of hitler is probably still different i think if you if the plaque says something different yeah you're right than flying the nazi flag of, yeah yeah and so when this when the confederate flag was yeah, flying sure. over the state house grounds sure. they would have to take that down rather than just put up a plaque next to it saying <laughs> yes. we think that this confederate flag stays up here because it was put as up here reminder. back in there but now oh, it's yeah. as a reminder because yeah. you can't see the american flag this the flag of the state of cal of, of uh, south carolina and then the confederate flag and think oh those two are the ones that we currently agree with yes. and the third one yeah we I, don't. are you right there there is a difficult in that yeah. right and 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 on how we decide whether or not the flight comes down or, or it stays up exactly so, exactly so a lot of complicated um, issues <laughs> i think it would it would one of the solutions could just be that um on public grounds there shouldn't be any veneration to begin with yeah and so there shouldn't be any statues on city grounds. If you want to put up a statue, appeal, you can... That appeals to my literalist, secularist... <laughs> I mean, it, it appeals to me, too. Yeah. I just don't think we should maybe be even spending tax money erecting any statues yeah. um, in the city square. But, okay, well, maybe here, someone some, should some, erect a some, private statue. Some of these like. statues, though, are interesting because they were they were funded by private organizations. They were funded by, by right. organizations like the Daughters of the Confederacy. And, and, right, they funded and a lot of those like, yeah. Robert E. Lee yeah. statues. But they're still on public ground, and so... And, so they, and they run into problems. Yeah. Because, obviously, nobody's arguing you shouldn't be able to to put up a uh, whatever you Robert want, Lee statue whatever on private property in your front yard. <laughs> exactly. Right. You could you can even raise the Nazi flag if you want it. Yeah. And people do. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, they do. So I think I think an easy solution would it would just be let's go to the U.S. Capitol. Let's throw out all the statues there. Let's not venerate anybody because who knows who's going to disagree unless unless we're doing this in a purely and democratic also, fashion. And also and also because no one no one is perfect. Right. Precisely. So, so, so venerating humans is probably so that's a bad that's thing. that's one one way of doing it. You can just throw out all the statues, right? And I and my way of doing it, I would prefer is if we could put these statues into their proper context. Mm -hmm. 
Now, which, I don't know how we get to either of those solutions. Which, which how, do may not, to, how do we get to decide fair. whether or not we're going to throw all these things out? Agreed. Or but how even, do we get to decide what exactly is going to go on this plaque or fair. how we're going to change the statute? But, but even in a more complicated way, um, you may face disagreement about what the text of a plaque may say. Because, exactly. exactly. Because uh, yeah. someone might argue, is it even important to recognize that Thomas Jefferson was the second president when he owned slaves? Yes. I mean, yeah. it's, it yeah. seems unfair to the yeah. slaves to even say that he wrote the Virginia Declaration yeah. uh, of or Religious Freedoms. All, or men, that he, all men are created equal. That's right. Or that he wrote the Declaration of independence yeah. um so heck i mean your perspective could uh, could differ and i don't right. know if we're going to run into the same problems because um instead of tearing down statues we could find people with chisels trying to etch out um <laughs> yes. the, the clauses written on the You're on right. the plaques You're right. uh so it's it's renaming it in in essence so but but what is that what do we do what do we just throw up our hands and say well it's gonna happen the way it happens um i think i think we either take a vote on it or we just throw them all out and we say if you want to erect a but statue we have to take a vote about how, whether we're going to throw them all out, would we not? I suppose we would. I think, I think we need to have one vote to start with um, to, to basically see where everybody stands. Um, and then after that, once we create a process, it's easy because then everybody just gets to um, not not have any more statues. But then, but then we run into a problem of who do we put on our currency. Yeah, there's a lot. Or, or, what, or what kind of buildings do we name? Because, but these, but these are very real problems. Representation. Because, and, yeah, yeah. because this is happening in, in Canada and in the U.S. I mean, this is happening yeah. with um, universities that are named after buildings, or buildings rather are named after people who were slave owners. Yes. Um, yeah. Or discriminatory or, yeah. or had made poor choices. And, yeah. Um, no, the problem definitely exists, but I, I'm just not, I think we're running into a lot of uh, we're running into a lot of problems with our solutions, right? It seems That's like right. we both have various solutions, and right. yet we don't even know how we're supposed to get to those solutions, exactly. or whether those solutions exactly. are are even going to be effective. Or uh-huh. uh, and so, and so far, I guess the one thing I can argue for is, um, I suppose if you do believe something, protest for it, because if you do, um, you should both show up on the state house grounds and see who gets to the statue first. If you can either save it or keep it up or tear it down. Um, that's probably seems like to me so far to be the, the fairest that's, way of doing that's it. depressing though that's just it is just, it's just whoever seems to be able to do something right and then I mean if, if keep, you if you can it, convince the other side from doing what they if you can do. convince your Nikki Haley to, to take the confederate that flag seems, down then, then try be your the, best to be the worst of all worlds because then you're not um, doing anything based on principle or democ- democracy you're just doing it based on whoever decides to do something first well, well it only gives me um the only thing that gives me a small bit of hope in this regard is this whole idea of, of representative democracy, not necessarily the pure form. It's this idea that, uh, you know, you may think that um, a specific bill should actually be a referendum, right. but you can still call up your congressman and you've elected them as a representative. And so you've given... But that's not how we're doing it with statues. Hopefully not later on. But so far currently, I mean, Nikki Haley gets to decide which flags fly over the state oh, house grounds. So what I'm saying is just saying. just the same way you call your senator to, to say, yeah. hey, I really believe this. Um, you have to protest and uh, call your senator, call right. your representative, right. write to them, um, make your point um, in public and say, this is why I think it's a bad thing. And hopefully um, if your point is stronger and your representative elected is fair minded, uh, then they'll listen to you and do what you think is the right thing. Because that's what representative democracy should uh should ensure. Thanks for listening to this episode of In Conversation. You can also listen to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, or wherever else you get your podcasts. If you'd like to comment on anything I said, you can tweet me at Yasser Batalvi. And for anything I said, tweet me at Christian Pause. If you'd like to engage with the show, find us on Twitter at In Conversation underscore. Thanks for listening.